Hi, this is Amber. I'm a healer and a teacher in London. And um, uh, if you found this podcast channel, then you found a series of podcasts that I've been doing for a number of years now on a variety of topics. And today's podcast um, is on healing and our healers or healing groups that we, we may be working with. I tend to do shamanic journeys to gain guidance on the subjects to talk about, and sometimes I just feel inspired to talk about certain things. Um, so when I did a journey and I was given this, it was a bit of a surprise, but what the guidance was was to talk about whether we feel that our healer or our healing group, healing circle, spiritual circle, is draining us in some way, which is a funny one for a healer to talk about, but um, I think it's good to put it out there. Um and I've, I sat with it for a bit, and it's actually made me think a lot about our relationship, our dynamic with our healers or with spiritual groups that we may go to, or healing circles, or new age circles, or you know meditation circles, or whatever um, it is that we may be into. Is what I found in my journey is that it they, it comes to a point where I'm not quite sure who's benefiting who, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think it's a two way thing. Um, obviously, there's an exchange. You know, we get the healing and we we pay for it, so that's the exchange. That's the sort of energetic exchange, in a sense. But sometimes there can be other energetic exchanges happening, and often, as is the case, um, is that whoever we go and see for a healing, you know, and, and as we believe in angelic Reiki, and I often tell students and attunements, is that the person who's coming to see you is coming is the mo- is is um, is a slice of the divine. You know, the person who's coming to see you has simply forgotten their own divinity. They've forgotten um, they've forgotten their connection to their higher self. So who is sitting opposite the healer is uh, a slice of the divine, um, is their greatest teacher in many ways. And so I often feel with lots of clients and students that I'm learning so much as I'm in that session, as I'm you know, t- teaching, is from the questions that um, I'm being asked or the things that come up. I'm constantly reevaluating where I'm at with things, what my stance is with things. Sometimes clients will say stuff and it makes you think about things that you hadn't thought about before. So there's always an exchange going on and that's a really healthy thing and it's a beautiful thing. So it's one of the things that I remember when I go and see a healer is that as much as they are assisting me, I'm also assisting them, whether I'm difficult or um i which i hope i'm not um or you know i'm open and i'm sharing stuff about my life um but what i've also found is that there comes a point where i feel like the exchange isn't equal and as if i'm being fed off um energetically um it's hard to really explain it uh i have i suppose i have a few examples so um I've been in ceremonies before, uh, medicine ceremonies um, and healing ceremonies where there's been times when I've needed healing and I've needed people to work on me. And sometimes you get people who work on you who it's just an honor to have them work on you because they have so much experience and, you know, they've been doing this for generations. And it's just like the minute they touch you or the minute they enter the room, you just feel you know that you're in safe hands and you know that. Um, the moment anything happens, you're 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 going to be assisted, and so I have had ceremonies like that, working with um, teachers from South America, and being in their presence and being in ceremony has been incredible because I felt that no matter what I was feeling, whether I was in pain or you know I was having a difficult um, experience, uh, that they were they knew instinctively, they were able to hold the whole room to know what my pain was and to transmute it and assist me in transmuting it. 
And then I've also been in ceremonies where the space hasn't been particularly well held for me or I felt that someone's come up to give me a healing and then, frankly, it's just felt as if they've moved stuff around my energetic body and I, I feel as if someone's had a good old rummage around my energetic body and misaligned me and I leave feeling a lot worse than when I arrived and I often have to then go and see other healers who have often said to me what happened to you who worked on you because there's just stuff going on in you that's a mess um and kind of my red flag for that is you know after a ceremony or, or a healing situation that person has said oh it's great working on you I always learn so much or oh, I love working on you it's always really intense it's really powerful um or I love working on you I always feel as if I, I learned something I don't want the person who's working on me to 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 treat me as their case study um I I'm not up for having my body be a case study that's not where I'm at in my journey I'm a Reiki master and I'm a practitioner so there's absolutely no reason why I should be someone's case study um, if we choose to be someone's case study, we know that what we're getting is a case study healing. It might be really powerful. It might be a little bit messy. We're up for that because it's a free healing. But if I've paid good money, I don't expect to be someone's case study. I don't expect them to try new um, ways of healing on me. I've had people say, oh, I've never done that before. So I got to try it on you and it was great. I don't want you to try new ways of healing on me that makes me feel as if I'm not in very safe hands so that for me is a massive red flag you know the the healer the space holder saying oh it's great working on you I get to learn loads or I've never done that before and I wish they'd told me that before I'd let them touch me because I wouldn't have let them put their hands on me even though instinctively I could have felt that they didn't quite know what they were doing that's a big red flag I've had other red flags um, in sessions with healers I once I was in a session with a practitioner and I was talking about other modalities that I was using and I mentioned another healing modality that I was using. I was using acupuncture at the time and they turned around to me and said, oh, I'm, I'm looking for an acupuncturist for myself. I really need to get some healing done. Can I get their name? Would you mind telling me who they are? Which I found to be completely inappropriate. You know, when I'm in that space, the space is about me it's about my healing and what I need. It's not about you. I now feel indebted to you. I now feel like I have to give you some someone's name. You're now looking to me for a recommendation. I now know that you, you need healing. And yes, we all know that our healers are human and they go for healing too. But I don't need to know that when I'm actually in that space, open to receiving healing for myself. So that was a crossing of a blurring of lines that I felt was inappropriate. Um... It can sometimes happen because practitioners know I'm a practitioner, but it's still a blurring of lines. So for those of you that are practitioners, if you go to see other practitioners, that's something to be aware of. And for those of you who aren't, I think these are little red flags that I'm just giving you for you to sort of think, you know, has this happened to me in a situation? Or if it happens in a situation, it's something to be aware of. Um, there are converse flip sides to this. One of the biggest being practitioners who go to see other practitioners and start to instruct how, uh, the practitioner on how they want to be healed, which you know I've experienced sometimes. Um, I have to say that relationship doesn't go very far. I don't really work with clients who wish to instruct me on how they wish to be healed. We go to see a practitioner because we trust their expertise and we are handing ourselves over to their expertise. If we don't trust them, we shouldn't contact them in the first place or hand ourselves over to them. Um, so it's a trap that practitioners can fall into, or not even practitioners, just those who've done a lot of self in a work 
will go to practitioners and say, yes, I've already done this way of working. I would like to address this and I would like you to address it in this way. But every practitioner is going to have their own way of working. So there is a converse to this, you know, just to give the other side of things. But um, but in terms of the podcast that I was asked to create, so two red flags. One, a practitioner turning around to you and saying, I've never done that before. That was interesting. Um, two, a practitioner crossing boundaries in some way, so a blurring. They're asking you for information now. You now feel that you're tending to them. Um, I think that blurring of boundaries thing is quite an interesting one. It happens a lot. It happens a lot in alternative healing because... Um, well, because there's no regulation for alternative healing in some ways, but also because we're so, you know, the, the whole the whole kind of facade is, it, is that we're all in the flow and everything's kind of merging and it's all love and, you know, it's all one. Um, I've had clients come to me that have felt that they well, were told that they have fr- had a friendship with their healer and then suddenly their healer turns around and says, I don't want to see you anymore, I don't want to see you as a client anymore, you're too toxic, or the stuff that you're, you're bringing to me, you know, it's making me sick. And now this person feels completely devastated, not only have they lost a friend, they've lost a healer. Um, you know, going out for cups of coffee with your healer, cups of tea, hanging out at their house, meeting their family, um, having late night phone chats with them. I mean, all these things are quite obvious, but I think it's just worth um, acknowledging them, having email communication or text message communication with your healer, signed off lots of love, kiss, kiss, kiss. I mean, all these things create an expectation in us that this person is now our best friend. As I often say in blogs and podcasts, you know, your healer is not your best friend. Your healer is your teacher, your guide, your space holder. It's really important that they're in a space of neutrality. They can't have a vested interest in your healing. They can't be there hoping that you heal because you're their best friend and they really want you to get better. They can't be there hoping that you heal because, you know, they're your partner or they're your family member. This is why healers... um, same for doctors and therapists are told not to work on people that they know that they care about because then there's no impartiality they can't push you to those places because they don't want you to get too hurt and they're too vested in you doing the work in a certain way there has to be a level of distance and there has to be a new level of neutrality and that's also so you can feel safe enough to explore your own healing journey to um, pull back if you want to to say I've had enough I want to walk away so you're not feeling indebted to them you're not feeling like if this is a friend you have to keep seeing them you know maybe your friends in financial straits and you want to keep helping them out so you go and see them for healing sessions I don't know there's so many permeations to these things so um, I think that's something to be aware of obviously for some people some of you that will feel very appropriate you will want to text message your healers and you know email them and say lots of love, kiss, 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 and you will really need that. But from my experience, the healers that have shown the most space holding for me have been healers that have had a very neutral yet compassionate stance with me. I've interacted with healers where you're you're emailing and it's all lots of love, kiss, kiss, kiss in one email, and then you know, you're late for an appointment or you have to reschedule an appointment and suddenly the email is very brisk and abrupt and there's no lots of love, kiss, 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 there's the best wishes or a kind regards and you know you're in the doghouse. Now that level of personal involvement makes me feel like I'm in a kind of uh, an emotional relationship with you that now if I cancel an appointment you're going to punish me in some way because that's kind of what's happening on on a level. It's, 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 it's subliminal but it's happening. So I feel that the healthiest relationships, although they can feel 
a little strange, especially because when we're often going for healing, we're coming with our wounds. So we're often coming with our inner child wounds. We're looking for mothering. We're looking for holding. And we expect it to come in one way, but the most efficient holding is often the one that's the most neutral and the most consistent. So you want to look for consistency. You want to look for a healer that's consistently um, the same with you. You know, that they offer you a consistent level of treatment, whatever that may be, um, that they're not erratic. I've worked with um, readers or channelers, if you want to call it that, or coaches that, you know, even when there is a time distance, because some of these guys have been in the States, that, you know, it's 15 minutes before my appointment, 10 minutes before my appointment, I log on to Skype, I'm there, I'm ready, and I get a rushed message. Oh, I'm really sorry we fell asleep. I'm really sorry I fell asleep, um, can't make the call just yet, can we do it in half an hour? So now, you know, and obviously you say yes because you want to have this call, but that's completely inappropriate. If your healer's showing erratic behavior, they fell asleep and missed your appointment, yes, they're a human being. However, professional professionalism requires that they're able to put their own stuff to one side in service to those that come to see them, and that's the job, and no one said it was easy, but it is the job. It's the same as like, you know, a surgeon or a um, a lawyer or a dentist or a fireman, you know, saying, oh, I'm really sorry I couldn't put that fire out last night because, you know, I fell asleep. I mean, how would we feel about that? We understand that people are human, but when we take on these roles that are of being of service, there is a level of responsibility. Um, I've sometimes had, you know, I'll log on and I'm waiting. I was working with this uh, reader again and healer. Um, not in the States, based in the UK, logged on, ready for my appointment. About 20 minutes passed, and at least 10 or 15 actually, nearly 20 minutes passed. Waiting, 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 where are they? I can kind of see that they're online on Skype, but nothing's happening. I leave them a little message, you know, are we having our session or not? Then I'm thinking, let's just cancel this, this is ridiculous. And I get a, a quick message, yeah, really sorry, running late, had to have some dinner, uh, ringing you now. No kind of, are you ready for the appointment now? I'm, you know, I'm sorry that that's happened. Um, it shouldn't have happened. And and our appointment time was for an hour. So I think it was at seven and we were meant to finish at eight. We still finished at eight o'clock. I didn't get the extra 10, 15 minutes that I'd paid for. We finished at eight o'clock, even though that time was taken up by them eating their dinner. Now, of course, they're a human being and they need to eat their dinner, but that's completely inappropriate behavior. So I these are the red flags that I would say that we need to look at. I think far too often as clients, we put up with bad behavior because we are wounded and we think it's something that we've done wrong. And also because we really want the healing. So we're prepared to kind of put up with stuff. I think we've got it all wrong in a sense. You know, I often see this with clients is that they're, they're, they're prepared to put up with all that. But what they're not prepared to put up with is being pushed is being, you know, told you need to get this work done by this stage, you know, if it's ritual work or you need to be on time for your appointments or you have to have your phone off for your appointments. You know, those are the things people often feel very defensive about, but they're willing to put up with things like this because there's often an expectation that a healer is quite flaky, you know, that our healers are sort of otherworldly and so they're allowed to be 20 minutes late because they fell asleep or they're allowed to be 10 minutes late because they had to have their dinner because they sort of live on another star system and, and we have to abide by their rules. And I think that sometimes creates really sloppy work. And what it means is we have sloppy experiences and then we think that all healing is like that and we don't actually get to the core of, 
you know, it is consistent, um, focused work that changes our lives. It's not this sort of chaotic. I did a workshop here on angels. I went and sat in a circle and, you know, connected with a power animal. I had a reading and someone told me that I was a starseed. It's not this stuff that is actually going to change our lives and give us any focus. It's consistent, focused healing that's really going to help us move through things and move into our power. Which takes me to the big point. Ultimately, your healer should be trying to empower you. So if you end up feeling disempowered, and I don't mean challenged because I think it's quite healthy to be challenged. It's healthy to have our view of the world and ourselves and our perceptions challenged. That's, that's, that's fine. That's good if it's, if it's constructive. And it's part of the process that things are going to feel uncomfortable and we're going to have healing sessions where we hate our healer and we hate this process and it's so horrible and then we'll pass through it, you know, it's a process, it's because we're shedding skin, we're we're letting go of things that are just gunking us up, so that's part of the process, but I mean, if we feel disempowered because we can't now make a decision in our lives until we consult our healer or our psychic, um, we, we are constantly going to the next workshop. In fact, we're checking our email for the next newsletter to tell us about the next workshop. We're massively on the lookout for that next free reading or that next two-for-one offer that's happening. Um, we, uh, we kind of feel locked into their world, so they've become our saviour. You know, I kind of see this a lot on social media. I, I couldn't do this without you. I couldn't, I couldn't be on this path without you. You've saved my life. You've changed my life. And and if there is an, an acknowledgement by the healer, by the reader, by the psychic that, you know, yeah, I am, I'm taking you down this path, what we're creating is a disempowered, unequal relationship. Now, it's really hard when a healer or a teacher doesn't give you the help that you want. I've turned to healers and teachers desperate. I don't know what to do. There's all this stuff happening and I don't know what to do. Please, can I see you for an appointment? No, I'm very sorry. The only appointment I have is in two weeks' time or a month's time or two months time and I'm livid I need to see you now then what I've often found is that quite unboundaried healers will 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 do that they will say oh okay I'll um yes I'll it's an emergency I'll slot you in I can do a Skype call at you know seven in the morning or 11 o'clock at night or you know and we kind of get used to this because I think there's a lot of that happening and they're often doing that at the detriment of their own schedule and what they're both able to do um, and they're probably doing it from a really good space of wanting to help, but it sort of it, what it does is it's disempowering. I mean, it, unless it's a real crisis, most of the time we can work through something. Most of the time we have the resources to do that. And what's happened when I've been in those places of this is a crisis, help, I need your help now, and I've not got that response, is I've just found other ways and I've worked through it. Now, I am a practitioner, so I have a lot of those tools, but hopefully if you're working with a healer, they're giving you those tools along the way. They're not just taking your pain away. Hopefully they're giving you ways to manage things, manage your life, manage your experiences better so that further down the line when things happen, you have a better resource. You're not just running to them. Now, I see this a lot in um, the twin flame soulmate community, that there's a lot of Facebook groups out there and online groups and chat groups. And there's a lot of people out there that say that they're here to help twin flames come into union and they have crisis calls and emergency calls. Now, the path of that of that union can be really chaotic 
for people because emotions are so high and, and the, the, the experience is so intense and the wounding that's coming up is so intense for people. In many, many ways, the path to the beloved is incredibly intense. It's a spiritual initiation. So, of course, there are some times when emergency calls are needed. Um, but But often... You know, those emergency calls can create a sense of disempowerment. So I think the thing to kind of look out for is whether you're feeling empowered during your, your sessions with your healer or whether you're left feeling like you can't actually do this if they're not around. So if tomorrow they were to tell you that they, you know, they were, they were leaving the country or that they weren't healing anymore, would you feel as if your world had absolutely fallen apart or would you know that you would be okay because you'd been given a series of tools that are going to assist you? Um, I think the other red flags are if you're endlessly going to workshops or circles just to kind of be around this person and if you're endlessly being asked to come to things. I've worked, um, I remember seeing healers where, you know, you'd go in and you'd have a healing session and you're kind of getting to the root of the of the stuff, of the thing that you want to look at, heal, clear, address, and then they turn around and go, yeah, we can't really do this in this session today, but, you know, if you come to a ceremony, if you come to a workshop, that's when we'll do it. And I did it. You know, I came along, I paid good money, I went along, yep, I'll get my healing in the ceremony, I'll get my healing in the workshop. And then the workshop and the ceremony comes along and you leave it and you now need more healing and now you're going to see them for another one-to-one and then in the one-to-one they say, yeah, you really need to come to a workshop and you just find that you're going from workshop to one-to-one, workshop to one-to-one. I've seen that happen in circles. You know, I saw that very early on when I started my journey that... Um, you know, we'd, we'd be as a circle, learning, being initiated. A lot of stuff would come up in the circle. And a lot of stuff that was coming up in circle wouldn't really be addressed. Sometimes it's not appropriate to do that, but sometimes it can be done. And then the feedback would be, well, if you come and see me for a one-to-one, we can really look at this. And I would hear that feedback a lot outside of circle. You know, people would be saying, this has just come up for me. I don't know what to do. And the teacher would say, well, if you come and see me for a one-to-one, we can heal this. And then I would hear... Yeah, I've had three one-to-one sessions since the workshop or four. And I wonder how... I wonder. So um, a few red flags. I think also if you're feeling quite depleted after um, workshops, not good depleted. There's a good depletion that is a cleansing and a clearing, but sort of as if something's been stolen from you, as if that person has ridden off your energy. Um, that's something to kind of bear in mind. I mean, it's really tricky to navigate this stuff because when you're on your healing journey and you're seeking help, you don't know, you don't really have discernment because there's so much that's moving through you, so much that you're experiencing, and it's really hard to know. We only get to know this stuff in retrospect. You know, I look back on every teacher and healer that I've worked with, and I am grateful for every single experience that I had because it's helped me set up my practice and it's given me really strong boundaries and guidelines for how I work because of the experiences that I had. And I predominantly had experiences where um, boundaries were blurred. You know, healers are saying, I love you, I think you're great. Um, teachers are ringing me up at 10, 11 o'clock at night to chat about other students. You know, all of this stuff is just inappropriate. But when you're in it, you feel that this is this is love, you know, this is connection. You feel that you're special. I guess that's another thing to look out for. Does your teacher make you feel as if you're the special one in their workshop or their group? Does your healer make you feel like you're special, like, you know, you're, you're their special client? Because that's inappropriate as well. You may be their special client. You may be their favorite client, but it's not for them to really make you 
aware of that because that's not going to assist you. That's going to give you a, a sense of responsibility. Now you can't fall off that pedestal because you've been told that you are somehow useful to them, special to them. You should be allowed to be as as ugly as you need to be emotionally um, to experience what you need to experience. Um, so those have been a few of my red flags. Uh, I suppose, you know, sometimes I've looked back on healers I've worked with and just I've assessed how far have I come and some people, some readers, some channelers, some psychics will often instill fear. So you can have a reading. People often experience this with twin flame readings but just other kind of soulmate readings or just general readings that you're instilled with a sense of fear um, that there's this awful stuff that's going to happen to you and if you don't have this special clearing or this healing that they're going to do, then then you're doomed. Um, now, sometimes when I do readings for people, the guidance is really clear and my spirit teachers will say they don't actually need a reading, they need a healing because this stuff isn't going to go away. And it's offered to them, you know, it's, and I will put it out there and say, you know, this is what's been offered to you. And I know that 90% of the time people are thinking, well, that's just her trying to make some more business. And it really isn't because I don't think I would do it in such an obvious way if it was. Um, it's my spirit teachers guiding me. And they're never wrong, really. A lot of times, in fact, when it's at its best, a reading is a healing. You know, it should help us make changes in our lives. But often with readings, we're looking for neat answers. So I think that's something else to be aware of. I've had, I've, you know, I've experienced that with readers that they've told me stuff that doesn't feel truthful and I have to say well is that my defense mechanism or is that because it's really not truthful then they've said that they want to do a healing for me and they've made it sound as if that won't be the last healing so oh yeah we'll do this clearing for you but there will be a lot of work to do and that's another thing to look out for is when people tell you there will be a lot of work to do that's not, there might be a lot of work to do um but it sometimes just brings up a red flag in me. I'm just wondering, you know, sometimes there is a lot of work to do. But I remember uh, someone saying to me once that, you know, there is some of this stuff, especially when we are working with um, powerful practitioners, but also when we are in our power, some of the stuff that we feel we need to heal, we can heal within seconds through a shift in perception, or it can take us lifetimes. And I think there's a real truth in that. I look at the, the rituals and the meditations often that are given out to clients. I'm amazed at some of the incredibly powerful stuff that's given out to people. And then I'm always intrigued and amazed by their attitude to it, whether it, they see it as a burden and they prolong the process and don't commit to it, or whether they commit to it. And I've always seen that when clients commit to the process, the changes in their lives are humongous, are huge. You know, it's incredible. And when they don't commit to it, the changes are slow and protracted and they think the process doesn't work. So I think it's about our engagement. But if at the very start you're told that you're going to need a lot of work and, you know, there's a lot there and blimey, how did you get so far? Then already a seed has been planted in you that, that it's not possible to overcome this stuff. I've been to practitioners, in fact, the same practitioner who asked for um, the, the recommendation of another practitioner um we were talking about some stuff that I was looking to address and they said to me you know some things we just cannot heal I just believe that some things we cannot heal and we're just meant to carry them and it's part of our karma and this is something that you will never heal but you'll just learn how to manage and the minute that was said to me I felt this sense of doom fall over me I just felt like well what's the point that's so utterly hopeless so I'm never going to heal this thing it's always going to be an issue in my life and I'm never going to be free of it 
And I left that session feeling quite doomed. And then I went off and um, I went into ceremony and I did some shamanic work and I worked on it differently and I was away for a while and I came back for another session with them. And they were working on me energetically and suddenly said, oh, everything's really shifted. That's really bizarre the way that's happened. And I said, yeah, I went for, I'd actually gone for a shamanic healing and done some ceremonial work. And I said, yeah, I went for a really intense shamanic healing, did some ceremonial work. It's been really tough, but I feel like I've, you know, shed a layer of whatever that was. And they were amazed because they just weren't at that stage in their own evolution to believe that that we can shed these skins, that we can transform ourselves. So I think it's also important that we work with healers that are at an evolutionary stage in their own journey that resonates with us, you know. I think it's always good to look at, you know, if you want to work on childhood issues or you want to work on addictions or you want to work on abundance or love or whatever, is kind of get a sense of your healer. Have they sorted that stuff out in their own life? You know, or or are they still carrying that burden with them? It doesn't mean they're not necessarily a good healer if they're still carrying the burden of it. Maybe that fuels their work. But I've sometimes observed that, you know, sometimes you're sitting opposite a practitioner and they look really sick. They look tired and sick and worn down. And I just feel, well, if you're not in your power, I'm not sure how you're going to help me because you're obviously struggling to assist me here. It's I mean, this is a whole other podcast, and I have done one on Healers a Human too. It's really tough doing this work. It's unbelievably tough. And the students that I've worked with and those that have gone on to practitioner level, they know how tough it is. They know that what you take on and the initiations that you go through, it's so tough. So this is not to negate the journey that the healer is on. However, as a client, you need to be getting the best possible treatment. Um, so this is about the things for you to look out for and I remember a teacher saying to me once um, at a time when I was very burnt out and I was doing a lot of healings, um, he said to me, you really have to stop doing the healings. You're, you're too burnt out and you're of no service to anyone. And I felt I couldn't stop because people were relying on me and it was my only source of income. So I, I, I really, I couldn't just stop. You know, you have to have a, a, a plan that's going to catch you. Um So often healers are in that position. They have a lot of clients that are depending on them or it's their only source of income. And we do need, you know, they do deserve our compassion. However, you have to ask yourself whether you want to be seeing someone who's looking at you and seeing pound signs or dollar signs or someone who's really enjoying the work and is able to impart all that to you without needing to feed off you. I think there is a sense of that vampiricness as well from practitioners who need us because they need our our um our fee at the end of the session and you can sense that you know there'll often be a funny sticky energy around money sometimes worked with people and you know their website says you pay one amount of money but then you email them and now the price has gone up or um you know you ask for a concession this is a very interesting thing that happens and i have both sides both perspectives on this you ask a practitioner for a concession and they treat you completely differently to how they treat you when you pay full price i've had this happen to me gone in for a concessionary session they're not really giving me as much attention or energy they're not really that interested in me because i'm not paying full price but when i pay full price i get a completely different treatment and that's been very interesting to experience that as a client to give you the practitioner's viewpoint speaking as a practitioner i've given clients concessions and they've not honored the work they've not turned up on time they've not done the work you know they've sort of seen it as an easy ride because they're not paying the full amount so i think there's a very funny energy around um 
what happens with concessions and it's one of the main reasons why I do not offer concessions is because it creates a strange dynamic it doesn't really change the attitude I have towards my client I don't feel that they're any less important to me because they've paid a different rate because I know that for that, that for them is a lot of money um, but it does seem to change something in the dynamic especially for, for clients I have found and possibly that's to do with me just in general um, you know and concessions um, in honoring myself and honoring others equally so I take that on board too but um, it's one of the main reasons why if you go on the website you'll see that there's no concessions but that the Skype sessions are a lot more affordable because there's no room higher costs and so on um, and I put and that's why they're there because you know they are more affordable um, I think if your healer's constantly trying to sell you stuff so you know you've had a healing and now they're trying to sell you a crystal they're selling you some vitamins or some special incense or now they're selling you um you know something else or you know they want you to come to a workshop or they're saying i, I had a healer say to me that they would love to have my energy at a workshop because they felt it would be really beneficial to the circle i don't want to be beneficial to a circle i want to be in a workshop because it's going to benefit me but of course at the time i was new and i was starting out and i felt that was an amazing thing to heal from hear from my healer wow they think my energy is going to be benefit. My ego kicked in. That's amazing. I'm going to, I'm going to be healing the circle, you know. And the part of me that wanted to be a healer thought that was amazing. But this is all stuff to consider. So, um, obviously, there are two sides to everything. But I think the things to look out for are if boundaries are being blurred, um, if there's inappropriate comments being made in some way, um, or you feel that the comments are inappropriate in some way. Um, uh, if there's a sticky sticky sort of residue around concessions or money, if your healer is asking you for advice, if they're saying to you they've never done something before and they just tried it out for the first time on you, I think all of those are red flags. If they're trying to sell you workshops or they're trying to sell you something else in a healing session, I think those are red flags as well. I think that it's also red flags if we feel really dependent, if we feel like we can't get through something unless we see a healer you know there is something very magical and alchemical that happens with certain practitioners and that you'll feel their energy around you holding you and you'll feel their guidance supporting you and it should feel supportive not suffocating we should be able to make a decision without running to our healers now sometimes we can't and we're looking for parenting and that's why we run to them but the response that they give you is really important if your healer's telling you what to do you know if you're practitioners telling you what to do and how to live your life that is a crossing of boundaries I've worked with you know I've seen therapists in my time and I remember seeing a therapist once and talking about some stuff and them actually telling me what to do they were saying this person isn't good for you but this person is you know you need to do this you need to do that making really direct comments on my life at one point making jokes about my life that I found quite hurtful and um, that were at my expense um, and it was inappropriate behavior yet again. And I think there is a lot of this. Um, and the reason why alternative medicine gets such bad press is because of things like this. But it, you know what? It's just a really small proportion of practitioners who behave in this way. And then that gives the whole thing a kind of mucky residue. So I think we need to clean up what we stand for. And we also need to clean up the amount of integrity that we have in this work. I think it is challenging and we're all going to make mistakes and it you know it's we're human but I think those are important considerations to look out for and a little few few red flags um you know if you start to feel that healing circles are taking over your life or your meditation circle is taking over your life as in 
you can't live your life without it. That's a red flag and that's something to be aware of. So just little pointers, little general overviews of things to look out for, things to think about. Um, but as with everything, there will be two sides to it. So it's not to say that the people who behave in this way are bad or wrong. It's just, is it necessarily for your highest good? And I think that's the question to ask. Is this for my highest good? You know, those practitioners that have crossed boundaries with me, that have made inappropriate comments, they're not bad people. They're in it because they care and they want to help. It's just not for my highest good. It wasn't what I needed. Um, and it was sloppy. Um, and I suppose it, it, one of the things that sometimes I fed back and sometimes I didn't feed back. Um, so, you know, how are we all to learn and grow unless we're just learning and growing from these experiences? Um, so I hope that's been informative. I go with what my spirits tell me to talk about. And this was a funny one to talk about, but... Um, Perhaps it's given you some things to think about. Until the next time, so it is and so it shall be.